Did y'all have breakfast this morning? My breakfast was complicated. I went to get eggs, and I was going to just fry up some eggs. So I went to get eggs, and I got the eggs out of the refrigerator, and I thought, oh, wait, you're not allowed to have fried eggs because they cause cholesterol, and cholesterol causes high blood pressure, and, well, high blood pressure leads to a heart attack. So maybe I shouldn't have eggs, but eggs are protein, and protein's good for you. So maybe if I boil the egg, it wouldn't be so bad. But then I remembered that... You're supposed to use free-range eggs. And I don't even know what free-range eggs are or what free-range chickens are. So how do I know, first of all, what they are, where they come from, and are these eggs free-range eggs? How do you know? I don't know. So I decided, all right, we're not having eggs. So then I went to get a box of cereal. And I pulled the box of cereal on top, from the top of the refrigerator, and I started pulling my bowl, and I said, oh, gosh, I can't have cereal. It has carcinogens in it. And I've been eating cereal all my life, but I guess you can get cancer, and you can die from the carcinogens that are in cereal. So I can't have cereal, and plus milk, except for the Jackson's milk, of course, has hormones and antibiotics and all kinds of things in it that are bad for me. So you're not allowed to have milk from a cow, but you are allowed to have milk from an almond, which I don't even know how you get milk from an almond, but... It's okay to do that, but we don't have any almond milk, so we're not having cereal and we're not having milk. So I decided to have toast, just plain old toast because I haven't heard anything about bread. Have you heard anything about bread? I think bread's okay, right? So I put my, to my bread in the toaster and toasted it, but then you have to decide, do you want butter or margarine? Well, margarine's got chemicals in it, and butter's from God, but they say it has fat in it too, so then you got the whole egg thing going. So I decided to put honey on. My honey is local, and it is raw, and it is unfiltered, and I'm pretty sure that's okay. So I put my honey on my bread, and I'm just <coughs> eating it, and my mind is wandering, and of course it wanders to bees because I'm eating honey, right? And, it, and then I think about, you know, a few years ago, do y'all remember the killer bees? Did they ever make it to Ohio? Because... <laughs> I'm allergic to bees, and I don't know if killer bees would be worse or would be better. And plus, we're not allowed to kill bees because did you know if you kill bees that the world will end? So the honey's good to eat, but don't kill the bees. But I was still hungry after that, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to have just a little bit of sausage with my meal because I'm still hungry and, well... I'm always hungry, so I was going to do that. And so I get this sausage out of the refrigerator, and I thought, wait a minute, I can't eat sausage because I just read an article on Facebook, so it must be true, right, that mad cow disease has now morphed over to the pigs, and so now you have mad pig disease. And I couldn't remember if it was in America or some obscure country in Europe. Oh, my golly, that is what our world does today, isn't it? It's exhausting. You can't do anything without worrying about what will this do or what will this cause. And if you think it's okay, somebody will find a reason to tell you that it's not, right? We live in a culture of fear that is overwhelming us. And I would say it's keeping us from living the, God, the life that God intended us to live. So how did we get here? Do you want to put that up? Because I don't know it by heart. <laughs> So how did we get here? Well, we can go clear back to Genesis, when Satan just slithered his way into the Garden of Eden, right? And tells us in, chapters, in verses 6 through 10 in chapter 3, when the, women, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it as well. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? 
And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So with the fall came fear. They felt vulnerable. They didn't know they were naked before. So now they're vulnerable and they're afraid and they don't want God to see them like that. We can also go just a few decades back into the 80s. And there were a couple of things that happened in the 80s that changed our news and the way that we get it. And the first was the deregulation of broadcasting. President Reagan um, he took away the FCC fairness doctrine that was to keep things fair and unbiased. He did this because something happened down in South Carolina that a news, because if you didn't follow the fair and unbiased rules, then you got monetary fines, but you also might get taken off the air. And something happened to a station down in South Carolina and they didn't put something on that somebody thought they should and it was really unfair. So he took, he took this away with good reason, except now there's been a small change or a gradual change along the way until we get where we are today. So the days of fair and unbiased reporting and the days of Walter Cronkite ended pretty much when that happened. The second thing that happened in the 80s was cable news network, 24 hours a day, seven days a week news. Now, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but do you really think we can sustain that for 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Of course we cannot do that. So what happens is they have to find things to, to tell us about, and they have to find things with shock value that will tell us we need to worry about something. And when, before the deregulation in the 80s, the news could not make a profit. You weren't allowed to make a profit. Now, news is driven by profit. So it's a complete change, and it changes the way that we do things. And then you add the social media piece, which is more recent, but certainly um, on the internet, you can say you're a news organization, and you can say that there's carcinogen in cereal, and it will kill you, even though that's not exactly the way it is. And if you do a little bit more research, you'll find out what, what the truth is. Um, they can put that out on social media, and people believe it, and people share it without even checking into it. So you put all of those things together and then you add advertising. Advertising is good at telling us what we don't have and what we need to have a great life, isn't it? You see those cola commercials and I mean, surely when you're drinking a Pepsi or a Coke, you're gonna have that much fun and you're gonna be that beautiful on a beach, right? But they put these things out there that are bigger than we can attain. And um, it all started with, just a fun fact, Johnson's baby shampoo. So, for thousands of years, women washed their um, children, their baby's hair, and they knew they were going to cry, and they'd rinse it out as fast as they can, and then they would cuddle them, and all was well in the world. But then Johnson came out and said, oh, are you making your baby cry? We can help you with that. So it changed how people marketed so that today, again, it's the shock value or telling you what you need. You see it all the time in uh, medication commercials. Um, if you have any kind of skin rash, you absolutely cannot go out in public until you get this medication, right? Fear is a strong motivator, isn't it? It keeps us doing things that we might not normally do because there's all these things in the world that are coming at us. And uh, I was in Columbus uh, a couple weekends ago in the evening and I was listening to 610 and there was a teaser for their news and the teaser said, two Miami University students are quarantined with the coronavirus. That was the teaser, right? 
I thought, oh my gosh, I just thought it was on California, out on the West Coast here. It is in Ohio already. So I listened to the, uh, uh, the newscast when it came on at the top of the hour, and um, it was their lead story, and they said they're, they're quarantined and where they were quarantined and the doctor that was working with them and when their blood was taking and when we would have the results. And then at the very last sentence, if you're still listening that long, they said they were in China a year ago, so it's not expected they'll have the coronavirus. But it's already out there, right? People are already running down the street saying the coronavirus is in Ohio, right? Fear is a strong motivator. There is a story, we have 24-hour 7 news on, I don't even know how many channels, several. We have our regular news still. And then we have our hour-long news shows, right? Well, the hour-long news shows really get hit hard because the 24-7 news is always ahead of them. They are only on once a week. And so what do they have to do to get you to watch them? Shock value, right? So there was a story about a woman who, um, she was in surgery and she had the oxygen mask on and there was a fire in the oxygen mask and it burned her. And so the headline for, I believe it was 2020, was woman burned by oxygen mask during surgery. We give you tips so this won't happen to you. Do you know how often this happens? There's millions of surgeries done across the United States in a year, millions. Do you know how many times this happens? Less than 100 times a year. It's 0.0004% chance that this will happen to you. But if you go on 2020, you can get the tips to keep it from happening to you. Fear is a strong motivator. Could we go to Matthew 6, 34? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There God's telling us, or Jesus is telling us, don't worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today. Tomorrow has, today has plenty enough for you to worry about. So we don't want to, to do that. And then go to the next one. In Joshua 1.9, now I want you to think about where Joshua was. Moses has just died. Moses. Moses, who saw God face to face. Moses, who took the Hebrews out of Egypt, away from the tyranny and the slavery that they had there. He took them out. Moses, who brought the Ten Commandments down from Mount Sinai. Moses, who put into place a judge system because he knew he couldn't do it by himself. Moses, who, put, who wrote Leviticus in every rule that's in there. And Moses, who helped his people stay a community as they wander in the desert for 40 years and brings them to the promised land. And now, Joshua, you're up. That's big shoes to fill, isn't it? Do you think he was a little bit afraid? I would be shaking in my shoes if I had to follow Moses. But God said to him, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He made a promise to Joshua that he was going to be with him. And yes, he had big shoes to fill, but he had a big God to help him with this next, this next adventure that was coming. Fear keeps us from trusting God. Look at Eve. She, Satan slithered his way into the Garden of Eden. And what happens to Eve? She, she doesn't trust God anymore. She learns that he knows stuff she doesn't know. Today we call that FOMO, fear of missing out. 
apparently it goes clear back to the fall. She was afraid that God knew things she didn't know, and she wanted to know that, didn't she? So she was disobedient, and she ate off the one tree. I mean, I just want you to think about this. It was perfect. They walked in the same garden that God walked in. Satan comes in and just whispers a little bit in her ear, and she's, she doesn't trust God anymore, and she eats, the, uh, she eats the apple, and that was the end of that. But also think of Sarai or Sarah. Abraham was promised that he was going to be the father of a big generation that was God's generation, as numerous as the stars, right? He was promised that. And Sarah was his wife, so you would assume that they knew this would happen with the two of them. But she could not wait. She was afraid it wasn't going to happen. She felt like she'd waited too long, so she took matters in her own hands, right? She didn't trust God, and she didn't trust God's timing. So Sarah got Hagar involved, and that made a whole nother nation. And then, of course, she did have Isaac. And God was true to his word, as he always is. And so Sarah's not trusting in God has, has made, she made a choice that affects us all even today. Because Isaac and Ishmael started two different, two different nations, right? And today, those nations still fight, and we still feel the tremors of the decision that Sarah made thousands of years ago because she didn't trust God or his timing. Okay, fear keeps us from helping those who need help. How many just love to go out and share the gospel? Is it your favorite thing to do? Are you a little bit afraid to go out and share the gospel? Why are you afraid? What keeps you from wanting to share the gospel? It's awkward. It can be awkward. Maybe you're shy. It's really hard. What if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? What if I start talking and I don't know what I'm talking about? What if they make fun of me? It can be hard to share the gospel. I read um, The Way of the Master. Highly recommend it if you haven't read it. And in there, he talks about if we have the cure for cancer and we know someone who has cancer, aren't we going to share that information with them? We have the way to eternity. And we know how to get there. So don't you want to share that with everyone who doesn't know how to get to eternity? Because you might be the only person they ever hear that from. So you can think about it that way. Sometimes we're afraid of people because of what they look like. You see somebody coming down the street, maybe they're grungy, maybe they're dirty, they won't make eye contact with you. Do you look away? Do you walk right on by? Are you afraid sometimes of going into a certain area because those people that are dirty and grungy and won't make eye contact with you might live there? Does that keep you from doing what Jesus calls you to do? Would Jesus have been afraid to go in those places? I think when we go to um, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, I don't know if I've got it up there, but I know the story. So um, it's the Good Samaritan, right? And, and someone is laying on the road. They're dying on the road. And a priest comes by, and he sees them, and he walks on the other side of the road, and he goes right on by, and he doesn't even come to the person that's, that's dying. A Levite sees that man, walks on the other side of the road, and goes down 
goes down the road and doesn't even help him. But a Samaritan, who is not a part of the Jewish nation, sees this man and is immediately has compassion for him. And he gets him and he takes him and he takes care of him and he takes him to a place where he'll be warm and fed and get the medication he needs. So he takes care of him physically and he takes care of him financially. And then he goes off and he does whatever business he had to do and he comes back and he makes sure he's okay. He had mercy on this man. And yet he wasn't the chosen people that God had sent out, but he did this anyway. Fear keeps us from helping those who need us the most. Fear keeps us from reaching our potential. That man right there, his name is Ron Trumbull. He's my why. He is why I advocate for elders, he is why I will argue with my boss about things that I know I'm not going to win. He is my why. I met him when I lived in, at, or when I worked, I never lived there, at Springfield Masonic Community. And Ron was kind of an enigma in that he was developmentally disabled, but his family never did the things you need to do to have him identified as developmentally disabled. They kept him in his home, they homeschooled him, and, um, and treated him very well, but they thought they, were, they thought they were saving him and they weren't. So when they died, his siblings did not feel they could take care of him, and his dad was a mason, so they put him in Springfield Masonic Community. And Ron, he was just a couple of years older than me, and he was, such a, he was such a joy. He was just a joy. And he would see me walking down the hall, and he'd say, there's my favorite Nita. And of course, he said that for everyone. I was always curious, though, because we had three Heathers. I'm not sure how that worked, but he was just a joy to be around. He came to my office, and he visited me every single morning. And one day, he came down, and he said, Nita, I want to live by myself. I think I can do it. On this campus, I think I could do it. I want to learn how to cook. He loved to eat, and he loved the idea of cooking. And I said, you know what, Ron? I'm going to look into that. We might be able to work that out. And I happened to have a meeting that afternoon. And so we talked about it, and we figured out a way to make it happen. So I went and got him, and we took a week, because he had to have some medications, and he had to have some shots. So we had to make sure that we were able to get him those when he needed it. People donated things so that he could live in a studio apartment. They donated crockpots and microwaves and all kinds of things so that he could be a cook. And Tuesday night, we had gotten it all together, and I went to see Ron before I left, and I said, come on, I want to show you your new apartment. So we went over there, and his face lit up like it was Christmas. And he was so excited. He said, can I stay tonight? And I said, you can't because we don't have everything in place. But you can stay first thing in the morning. I'm going to come early, and we're going to get you over there. And he said, I can't wait. So I went in early that next morning. I was there at 10 after 6 because I figured Ron would, we were supposed to meet at 7, but I figured he'd be in my office at 6.30. Well, 6.30 came, he didn't come. Quarter till 7 came, he didn't come. 7 o'clock came, and he didn't come. So about 10 after 7, I went up to get him because he was so excited last night. And I go up and the nurse, I asked where Ron was, and she said, he's still in bed, he won't get up. I said, what? He couldn't wait. So I go in his room, I said, Ron, get up, get dressed, we got to go to your apartment. I'm not going. I said, you're not going? Why not? All these people did this apartment, you couldn't wait last night, why aren't you going? I'm not going, I'm too stupid to live there. 
No, you're not. We have it all worked out. And remember, we, we put a phone number in. If, you, if you're afraid and you need something, all you have to do is push that button, and somebody will come and help you. Nope, I'm too stupid. And if I try to cook, I'll burn the place down. So I just kept talking to him. I couldn't figure it out. You know what happened? His brother-in-law called him. And his brother-in-law said, you're too stupid. You will burn the place down. So you know what? Ron didn't live there. And you know what else happened? About five months later, Ron died because he just did not have the will to live anymore. His fear and his family's fear kept him from reaching his potential. And to this day, I wonder, and he loved Jesus, and he'd tell anybody that he loved Jesus, right? If we could have just done something to get him out of his rut, who could he have touched? How, how could he have reached his potential? But I don't believe he did because of fear, because of his family's fear that fell down onto him and it became his fear. He didn't reach his potential. Fear keeps us from reaching our potential, doing the things that God wants us to do. And I'm just gonna tell you, God doesn't promise that we won't have fear. He doesn't promise that. Being a Christian does not mean we won't face trials. We will face trials, and sometimes they will be really, really scary ones. Following Jesus is not a promise of safety. Look at the disciples. After the Holy Spirit came to them, they were in danger all the time, going out and spreading the word of God. Everywhere they went, they were in danger, but they weren't afraid. Why? Because they had faith in Jesus. They trusted in Jesus. We could look at Peter. And yeah, is that? No, I don't have that on there. But anyway, looking at Peter after, after Jesus was taken. And I love the life of Peter. I love where he was so impetuous when, when he was with Jesus and and, and so faithful, and he grew to be so mature in his faith, and I just love his story. And right now we're gonna talk about when Peter, right after Jesus was taken, he was afraid. And who wouldn't have been afraid? They weren't really sure what was going on. Even though Jesus had told them, they just didn't understand what it meant, right? And so he, he had, his confidence was eroded. He was doubtful that about what was going on and didn't understand it. And people were saying, hey, you were with Jesus. And he said, no, no, I wasn't with him. And someone else said, I saw you with Jesus. And he said, I don't know him. And then it happened a third time. And he said, I don't know him. And then the rooster crowed after he denied him three times. And Jesus said that would happen, didn't he? And so when that rooster crowed, Peter then had a different kind of fear that reached clear down into the depths of his soul because then he knows, then he knew that what Jesus was telling him and he was starting to understand what was going, what was going on and how it was going to change him. And can I just tell you, fear itself is not a sin. Peter being afraid then, is, that is not a sin. It can be healthy in the right circumstances. But if we make fear bigger than, our, bigger than our faith, it steals our joy and it robs us of living the life that God intended us to have. So much of the fear we taste, we, that we have today is perpetuated by the enemy. 
He wants us to focus, the enemy wants us to focus on fear instead of our Bibles. He wants us to focus on fear instead of our walk with God. He wants fear to just niggle at our brains enough that it's keeping us from being what we need to be. Can't you just see him rubbing, rubbing his hands together in satisfaction because we are so busy trying to run away from fear that we can't get to the meat of our faith. Can't you just see him? That's how I see him every time we have fear in our lives. So next we go to um, Luke 22, 39. Do I have that? Yes, 20, 39 through 44. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and he knelt down and he prayed. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was afraid. He was probably more afraid than we will ever know in our lives because he knew exactly what was coming. He knew what he was going to have to go through. He was so afraid and in so much anguish that he was sweating blood. And we're told to pray specific prayers. And Jesus was so afraid that he specifically said, God, Father, take this cup from me. I see him prone to the ground. Lord, take this cup from me. He was that afraid. And then he said, but not my will, yours be done. That right there is the difference. He specifically asked God, to take away what was coming. He knew what was coming and he was afraid, but he also knew that there was a much bigger picture and he needed to fulfill this. Not my will, but yours be done, God. He was obedient. And that is the secret to overcoming your, the fear right there. It's okay, he asked specifically and he didn't get what he asked for, did he? but he knew it was gonna be okay because his God was with him and he was obedient. We were not meant to live in fear. We were not meant to be timid and worry about what is gonna to happen tomorrow. We were meant to be strong in the name of our Father and go out and do the things that he told us to do. If you live in fear, you don't trust God. If we live in fear, we are not being obedient to him. And if we live in fear, we cannot fulfill the purpose that he has for me and for you and our lives. It's just not going to happen. But if you choose to live in faith, you will rest in a God who carries you through every trial. When you live in faith, you are obedient. And let me tell you, when you are obedient, beautiful things will happen in your life. And when you live in faith, you will find freedom in living out the purpose that God specifically chose for you. 
So I want to ask you, do you want to live in fear or do you want to live in faith? Yep, thank you. Not yet, hold on. Just sit there for just a second. Okay. I mean, you can play music if you want. I like music, but we're not gonna start prayers yet. A couple things. First of all, thank you, Nita, for doing that. It takes, it takes a lot of courage to get up in front of people and talk about the Lord. And, and fear is one of those things. This series is called Big Rocks. These are big things that get in the way between us and God. And I think fear is often that thing that stops us from everything else. And so I, I thank you for sharing that. A couple of things. Nita is also teaching a class next weekend uh, called Connect to Freedom. It's about connecting to the Holy Spirit, listening for the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a longer class. It's about three or four hours maybe. Depends, right? Who knows? Might be, might, who knows? I know who knows. The Holy Spirit knows, okay? So what I would encourage you to do is, is if, if you have trouble hearing God, if you have trouble hearing him speaking or knowing what direction he wants you to go or hearing the consoling whisper in your ear that's just telling you, I love you and you're going to be okay, or that will get you through the challenges or the difficulties, or that if your fear is overriding your faith, right? I would encourage you to go. It won't be crazy formal because you've met Nita, right? It won't be. But it'll be a wonderful time for you to learn to connect with our Holy Spirit because Jesus said that having the Holy Spirit here was better than having him here himself. Think about how powerful that is. And yet, he is often the forgotten part of the Trinity. He's often the part of God that we forget even exists, and yet he is the one that Jesus said would have the greatest impact in our lives. So you can sign up online. You can sign up um, at the office if you call Kathy this week. We would love to have you sign up so that we know who's coming. It runs in the afternoon at 2 o'clock it starts. It starts at 2 in the afternoon. So the idea would be you'd go home and eat lunch and then come back, Okay. Um, and be prepared to watch the Holy Spirit do an incredible thing, right? I would encourage you to sign up. Uh, other things, Valentine's. We have a Valentine's event coming up this coming weekend. Would love for you to come to that too. It's just uh, desserts and the Meister singers, right, are going to sing. And uh, Brad and Tracy Sellers from Vows to Keep are going to come speak. They're not going to offer a marriage seminar on how to make your marriage better. So those of you who are afraid of that, that's not what it is. We're going to play games. We're going to talk. They're going to encourage you. Um, that's all. So we hope that you will find that a blessing. It costs a whopping $5 a person to cover the desserts. That's dirt cheap, right? That's a cheap date for Valentine's. I'm just saying, just saying. So please, please, we would love for you to come. I had one more thing I had to announce that I wanted to think of, that I had written down, because if I didn't write things down, I forget them all. Oh, pictures. Many of you have asked about pictures for a directory. Guess what? You can have it taken after church today. 
You can have a picture taken. We can update your information. Those of you who are saying, I'm not dressed for that. We're not checking. <laughs> Some, somebody's checking her hair right now going, I don't know. Right? Guess what? If you're not ready for that, guess when else we're going to do it? Next Sunday. So now you've been officially warned. Um, there's a lot of new people in this church. And the new people don't know all of you. And you probably don't know all the new people. So it would be really helpful to put those things together. Did you know also that if you log into the computer system, you can put your own pictures in? We don't have to do that for you. But if you need somebody to take a picture because you're just going to forget to do it, we can do that. I think I'm done now. Okay. All right. So we're going to close our service the way we always close our service, um, and that is to bring our prayers and concerns to the Lord. If you would stand with me, that would be great. Would certainly appreciate that. So, Stacy, these are prayers that were taken ahead of time. You can always have that done in, in, in the foyer before church starts. There's always somebody out there with a, with a prayer team clipboard, or you can put them in in the app and we will get them. But uh, Stacy Burchett has asked for prayers for her family. Um, Many issues, many challenges and difficulties. If you uh, have, have raised children, you know that can always be a challenge, right? Because they don't always do what they're supposed to, do they? You're supposed to laugh. No, they don't. Uh, Patty Elliott has asked for prayers, continued prayers for her son, Bill. They're still waiting on test results for his cancer, yes? Okay. Okay. We're waiting on... Okay, so we pray for great results, right? We pray for nothing to be there, right? Okay, that's right. Let's be bold. Let's pray that it's gone. We have a, an amazing God. Why not be bold, right? Uh, Peg Swanger has asked for prayers for Destiny Brill. Is that right? Yes, she has an unusual type of, of blood cancer, and she's only 26 years old. Um, so please, please lift them up in prayers. Uh, Holly asked for prayers for the troops and for Mike and Terry Brewster and their cousin Lily today in a basketball tournament. Volleyball tournament. Okay. Volleyball tournament. Awesome. And then Keith Reefstall. I wanted to give you an update. Keith went back in the hospital on Friday. Um, he is supposed to come home today. Um, again, this family's been through so many roller coasters over the last couple of months. If you could just call them, send them a card, send them a postcard, reach out to them, stop by and visit unless you're sick. Don't go by if you're sick. But they've been through an awful lot. And I've got to tell you, every time I talk to Keith, every time I go see him, his faith, his passion for who God is and what that means, and even the joy he has in the midst of all this horrible stuff is really impressive. Um, God is working in him and giving him peace where nobody else can. So know that. Are there any other prayers today? Yes, Miss Nita. Just for the independent living residents at Green Hills, they lost a stellar person in the community last week. And there's a couple others that are really um, people that do and that are very, very ill. And we don't know what the outcome is going to be. It's just a hard time for them right now. Yes. I want to share a blessing to everybody. I want to tell you, I was 75 yesterday, and I'll tell you, I praise God to be cancer-free. 
and love my kids. And I want to tell you, it's a blessing, a blessing to love the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, is as real as real can be. If you could come to that class, I'm telling you what, you'll go out of here like, whoa. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to share that. Amen, you go, girl. I'm not going to stop you from being excited. <laughs> I, I know, but Lauren said you talk too much, so. No. <laughs> Yes, it is. Are there any others? Any other prayers? Yes, Miss Susan. I'd like to add Pauline Westlake is at home recovering from her uh, hip surgery. Uh, she's coming along well, but I'm sure she'd appreciate any cards that she'd want to send her way. Okay? And also, since I'm talking, yes. uh, goodie boxes. Don't forget to bring your goodies for our college students over the next uh, two Sundays after today. Okay? okay? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Are there any others? Hold on, I'll get to you. Aha, I gotta stop first. Yes, um, I have a sister that tomorrow is having a knee replacement and um, she's rather a challenge. Um, she was a drug addict and I mean, thank God she's so much better from all that, but her brain is a little fried. <laughs> And she is a big challenge um, for all of us girls. Um, I'm the chosen one to go and get her and take her to the hospital. <laughs> and uh, this week's been rough for me because of the things she calls me about and this and that and forgets that I'm even doing it. And so anyhow, just, just pray for my sisters and, and my sister Bonnie. And, um, you know, it, we'll get through it. Yeah. We will. But it won't end. I'm there, you know. Right. <laughs> Not with this this particular sister. Right. So. What's her name? Bonnie. Bonnie. Okay. I'd like to ask prayers for Jared and Kaylee Wright. They're living in Arizona, but their families are all back here. Um, they're expecting, but they found out that the baby's heart is not developing correctly, and all the valves are messed up. And so um, they had a decision to make, three choices, abort, have the baby knowing it would die within a couple of days, or go through major surgeries up till they had to have a um, heart transplant as a teenager, and keeping the child isolated pretty much its whole life. So. Um, they're still going through a lot of testing, but at this point, their decision is to have the child and go through the surgeries. So, yeah, quite a blessing. And But it's just, it's hard. 30 years old trying to, and the first child. So they really need a lot of prayers. Any others? All right, let us close in prayer. Father God, you have heard the pleas of our hearts. You've heard uh, those of us who are in need of your strength and those we are connected to that are in need of that strength as well. Lord, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard for us to, to, to set aside our own, our own fears, as Nita said today. Help us to remember that when we set aside our fear and we trade it in for faith in you, the God of all creation, 
the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who can move mountains, and the God who sent his son for us, when we put our faith in you, that's when the amazing things you've intended for our lives happen. Sometimes we don't understand why things are happening, why we're dealing with the challenges that we're dealing with, but while you have an ability that we cannot reproduce to get us through and to see the light and the joy and the love and the peace that comes on the other side. Lord God, we are thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful for your willingness to walk with us even though we are sometimes just scared little kids. Lord, we, we lift up today those who are in need and we are thankful today for those who know you and for an opportunity to meet here today together where we have opportunity to encourage one another, to set aside those fears and to remember that we are all your children loved by you and held in your hands. Lord, I pray that as we depart here today, you will give us strength. You'll give us an opportunity to be a blessing unto the world and to meet again. Thank you, Lord, for your son, for his salvation, for your mercy and your eternal grace and love. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>